What's going on, Hardliners? Welcome to His Hardline for another episode of 1% with Him. Remember, every day we need to spend at least minimum 15 minutes with our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Dig a little bit in the Bible and spend a little time in prayer, you know what I mean? If you can't do that, just join us here at His Hardline. We'll get it done. Drop. And don't forget to check out our website, www.hisheartline.com. We're happy to have you. Let's get started. Good evening, ladies and gentlemen. Good evening, good afternoon, good morning, wherever you are at in the world here in Michigan. It is a beautiful evening here on the west side of Michigan. It is Tuesday, July 5th, 2022. Glad to have you all here today at His Hardline for another episode of 1% with Him. Today we're going to be reading out of the book of Judges, chapter 7, verses 1 through 25. So welcome, glad to have you all here today. So quick couple show notes, don't forget to... Share not only this podcast far and wide via social media, email, and text message, but also share the website, www.hishardline.com. You can find uh, a variety of different things there. Um, And yeah, so if you can't share the podcast for whatever reason, um, but you just want to kind of give more of a word of mouth recommendation, yeah, just say, hey, I listen to this podcast. It's called His Hardline. You should check it out. You can go to hisheartline.com and there's a podcast site there where you can listen on the media player. You can go to Podbean. And if you want to find me on Podbean, you can just go to the media link and it shows you exactly where my official accounts are, which there's only like four places, four or five. I think on the website there, I have only four listed, which is basically Rumble, Podbean, Telegram, and True Social. That's about it. Anything beyond what you see there is fake and fraudulent, but I am not big enough to make a fake and fraudulent account. So, um, I shouldn't have to worry about that. Hopefully never. I don't want to deal with that. Uh, so anyway, so yeah, check it out. You can click on the Podbean link there in the media section of the website, and it'll take you right to my page. So, okay, so we're going to get right into it, right into the reading. We're going to talk about Gideon's 300 chosen men. And it reads, then, excuse me, I'm sorry, hold on, something is falling right on in front of me here. All right. And it reads, <clears throat> then Jerobabel, that is Gideon, and all the people who were with him rose early and camped beside the spring of Herod. And the camp of Midian was on the north side of them by the hill of Morah in the valley. The Lord said to Gideon, the people who are with you are too many for me to give Midian into their hands. For Israel would become boastful, saying, My own power has delivered me. Now therefore come proclaim in the hearing of the people, saying, Whoever is afraid and trembling, let him return and depart from Mount Gilead. So 22,000 people returned, but 10,000 remained. Then the Lord said to Gideon, The people are still too many. Bring them down to the water, and I will test them for you there. Therefore it shall be that he of whom I say to you, This one shall go with you, 
he shall go with you. But every one of whom I say to you, this one shall not go with you, he shall not go. So he brought the people down to the water. And the Lord said to Gideon, you shall separate everyone who laps water with his tongue as a dog laps, as well as everyone who kneels to drink. Now, the number of those who lapped, putting their hand to their mouth, was 300 men. But all the rest of the people kneeled to drink water. The Lord said to Gideon, I will deliver you with the 300 men who lapped with, lapped and will give the Midianites into your hands. So let all the other people go, each man to his home. So to the 300 men took to the people's provisions and their trumpets into their hands. And Gideon sent all the other men of Israel, each to his tent, but retained the 300 men. And the camp of Midian was below him in the valley. Now the same night it came about that the Lord said to him, Arise, go down against the camp, for I have given it into your hands. But if you are afraid to go down, go with Parah, your servant, down to the camp. And you will hear what they say, and afterward your hands will be strengthened that you may go down against the camp. So he went with Parah, his servant, down to the outpost of the army that was in the camp. Now the Midianites and the Amalekites and all the sons of the east were lying in the valley as numerous as locusts, and their camels were without number, as numerous as the sand on the seashore. Now, when Gideon came, behold, a man was relating a dream to his friend, and he said, Behold, I had a dream. A loaf of barley bread was tumbling into the camp of Midian, and it came to the tent and struck it, so that it fell and turned it upside down, so that the tent lay flat. Now his friend replied, This is nothing less than the sword of Gideon, the son of Joash, a man of Israel. And God had given Midian and all the camp into his hand. So when Gideon heard the account of the dream and his interpretation, he bowed and worshipped, and he returned to the camp of Israel and said, Arise, for the Lord has given the camp of Midian into your hands. And he divided the three hundred men into three companies, and he put trumpets and empty pitchers into their hands of all of them, with torches inside their pitchers. And he said to them, Look at me and do likewise. And behold, when I come to the outskirts of the camp, do as I do. And when I and all who are with me blow the trumpet, then you also blow the trumpets all around the camp and say, For the Lord and for Gideon. Now, as we get into verse 19, it talks about the confusion of the enemy. So Gideon and the hundred men who were with him came to the outskirts of the camp at the beginning of the middle watch. And when they had just posted the watch and they blew the trumpets and smashed the pitchers that were in their hands, when the three companies blew the trumpets and broke their pitchers, which are basically just as a side note, I don't know why they have it worded differently in here, but the little pitchers they're talking about like the little uh, lights, you know, pots of light. And they held the torches in their left hand and the trumpets in their right hands for blowing and cried a sword for the Lord and for Gideon. Now each stood in his place around the camp and all the army ran, crying out as they fled. 
And when they blew the 300 trumpets, the Lord set the sword of one against another, even throughout the whole army. And the army fled as far as Beth Shittah, toward Zerah, as far as the edge of Abel Mahala by Tabith. Now the men of Israel were summoned from Naphtali and Asher and all Manasseh, and they pursued Midian. Now Gideon sent messengers throughout all the hill country of Ephraim, saying, Come down against Midian and take the waters before them as far as Beth Barah and the Jordan. So all the men of Ephraim were summoned, and they took to the waters as far as Beth Barah and the Jordan. They captured the two leaders of Midian, Oreb and Zeb, and they killed Oreb at the rock of Oreb, and they killed Zeb at the winepress of Zeb, while they pursued Midian, and they brought the heads of Oreb and Zeb to Gideon from across the Jordan. And so that concludes the reading for Judges verses, uh, excuse me, Judges chapter 7, verses 1 through 25. Now, I like the story a lot. In fact, I mean, there's a lot of stories in the Bible that I really like. And this one's very interesting because, you know, in the very beginning, when, <laughs> when Gideon heard from the Lord, heard from God, he had started off with 22,000 people, 22,000. But he said, no, he goes, that's going to be way too many. It's going to be way too many. And so he told him, he says, basically asked him, if you're afraid and trembling, then, you know, let you go home and return. Depart from us, basically. Depart from Mount Gilead. And so about 12,000 people left. And so only 10,000 remained. But then God basically said to him, hey, no, that's, that's, still, too, that's still too many. Um, and I don't need you to be boastful. You know, uh, so we're going to do this with a lot less. And that's when he sent them down to the river. He said, okay, those who lap the, the, the water, you're going to keep. Those who get down on their knees and kneel down, they will be sent home, basically. And at that point, there was only 300 people. So you got to imagine, you know, you got to imagine Gideon must be thinking, there's no way. There's no way I'm going to defeat this with 300 guys. But again, 300, 300, so long as you believe and trusted in God that he will deliver the enemy in your hands, you have to have that trust. I mean, if you go back to the early days of our founding of this nation with our founding fathers, if you recall correctly, now some historians, I guess, would argue this statistic or this fact, I guess, but for the sake of argument, let's just go with it anyways. To defeat the British army physically, it only took 3% of the population of the colonists. 3%. And seemingly, it seemed like we kicked the Brits' butt. However, that wasn't the end of them. Because little did we know now, or most people know, that they're infiltrated within this nation still to this day, and we're dealing with the nonsense still. I mean, it's getting cleaned up, don't get me wrong. It's definitely under control. However, it still was an issue that we have been dealing with for the last 150 years. But if you think about it, 3%, something about that number three, it's a divine number, right? The Trinity, God, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, right? Three. So just like it took 3% back in the, found, you know, back in the founding of this nation to fight the Brits, 
That's all Gideon needed right here was only 300. 300, that's it. And just like, just like, I'm trying to find it here. Excuse me. I'm like flipping through some pages here. And just like uh, in our, let's see if I can find it. Boy, I should have been a little bit more prepared on this one. Where did I see it here? But just like in the last sentence of the Declaration of Independence, where it says, and we rely, oh, here it is. There it is. Where it says in the last sentence of the last paragraph, right? Where it says, and for the support of this declaration, with a firm reliance on the protection of divine providence, with a firm reliance on the protection of divine providence, Divine providence. That would be God. Okay, you got to rely on God's protection. That he's going to deliver the enemy. Just like Gideon and his 300. And just like what we're going to be doing here in this nation going forward. See, I get so many people that argue. Like, eh, and I'm not going to keep names up. But I get some people that are awake, if you will, to what's going on. And when I tell them that actual tribunals are going on, you know, because we always kept hearing that for the last year and a half, right? Now, up until recently, I always I always thought it was just hearsay. Like, I wanted to believe it was a big thing. Like, that was a true thing. Because, you know, you had that, you know, that bullcrap website out there, Real Raw News, that gave you, you know, quote, real-time stories of what was going on and, you know, down there in Guantanamo Bay, blah, 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 blah. But if you actually read at the bottom of that website, it does indicate that it is for entertainment purposes, basically. So if anybody's getting news on realrawnews.com, turn it off. It's fake, okay? But what I will say is there are actual tribunals going on, and that's something I have confirmed. Now, I could tell you till I'm blue in the face to, you know, for you to believe me. But here's the thing. I don't need you to believe me. What I need you to do is I need you to do your own research and your own homework. Because here's the thing. At the end of the day, I would have people that would argue with me like, well, if that's really a thing and the American public doesn't know about it, that's actually pretty unlawful. That's an illegal thing, you know, for the military to be doing these things behind the American people's back. It's like, well, hold on a second. Let me pause you where you're at. Just because the general public at large doesn't know doesn't mean that it's A, still not going, you know, that it's not going on. But B, while it is going on, believe it or not, yes, a certain percentage, percentage, excuse me, a certain percentage of the population, which is, you know, people that are in the know, people obviously in the military, but also people that is, that is not in the military. There's a certain percentage of people in the public, albeit very small percentage, that knows exactly what's going on. And there was an executive order, and I cannot think of it for the life of me, that Donald Trump signed back in 2018, 18 or 19, 18, I want to say it was maybe 18, that allows the public that's not in the military to participate in a military tribunal process. Now that's typically, there it is, Randall, I knew it. Yeah, you were the one that said yes. 13285, there it is. Man, I'm glad you're here. That's right. Executive order 13285. And that also goes in conjunction um, and works in, in tandem with contempt of the Constitution. Now, if you're not sure what the contempt of the Constitution is, let me just give you a quick brief rundown. And I know this is a Bible cut podcast, but I'm kind of rounding this out to a point. You go to my website, hisheartline.com. You go to the assembly link. 
you scroll down, there's, uh, I think it's like three, two or three rows down. You'll see it, or maybe up at the top. It's toward the top. It's called Contempt of the Constitution. Click on it and, and listen to it. Basically, that was the first lawful um, law. That was the first law under a de jure government, which is a lawful government. What we had was a de facto government. But that was the first. The Contempt of Constitution was the first de jure law that had been written since 1861. And it runs in tandem with this executive order that Trump signed, President Trump signed in 2018. And so back to the argument that people would say, well, if military is actually conducting tribunals, that's illegal and they shouldn't be doing it behind the backs of the people. Well, maybe they're doing it behind the backs of you because you're not in the know. But I'm going to tell you, there are people not in the military that are in the know. And again, because the media is not obviously going to report on it because they're going to be on the receiving end of those tribunals at some point in time, clearly they're not going to talk about it. So again, with people in the assembly, it's a very small percentage of people, just like Gideon's army, only 300, just like the 3% back in the colonial days when they were fighting the Brits during the revolution. It only takes a small percentage and a reliance on the protection of divine providence, having God at your back to deliver the enemy into your hands. He does not, listen, God is powerful and almighty. He does not need an army of a hundred million people. He doesn't need it. He doesn't need an army of 50 million people. He doesn't even need a million. He just needs a small select few group of people that have very specific sets of talents and skills that he gifted them, by the way. And every single man and woman that he's choosing to fight this battle against these evil principalities, he already knows he can win with these select key players. So it just goes to stand to reason that if you believe in your heart and you're being led to fight a fight on behalf of God and Jesus Christ, you got to go with that. You got to lead with that because that's God leading you. Just like when I started this podcast, it was God leading me. God does not need millions of people in his army. He just needs a few. That's it. And that's what we're going to do. We're going to win with just a few, just like Gideon did with his 300. We don't need a lot. People need to stop putting limits on God and thinking that they need this, that, and the other in order to fulfill a certain thing to take place. No. Never put limits on God. Don't ever put limits on God because the minute you put limits on God is the day God limits his mercy and his, you know, I don't want to say his protection because I, I don't know how God works, but I can only assume that if you put limits on God, my assumption is this. God will then limit what you can do. That's all I'm going to say. That's my assumption. I don't know that for a fact, but if I was God and I had one of my people that I created limited me saying, well, God, you can't do that. You're, you're not that powerful God. I'm like, okay, well, guess what? I'm going to limit you to what you can do then because I can make you as great or as not great as you can or can't be. So that's it. And so as I always say before, and I'm, I've been getting away from this, but I'm going to get back to ending with this after, uh, before, or after a prayer. But remember, like I said, here at his hard line, 
we are firm and we are steadfast and we are uncompromising. The enemy has crossed that line for the last time. And we do rely on the protection of divine providence. And we will do our part as warriors for Christ to hold that line. Again, as it states in Joshua 1, 9, I command you, be strong and steadfast, and do not fear nor be dismayed, for the Lord your God is with you wherever you go. And so I say to all of you, proceed forward in this fight. Proceed forward, hardliners, and never waver. This is your land. This is our country. This is our life. We need to own it, and we need to protect it. So with that, let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you so very much for the story of Gideon and 300 here. It's very inspiring because it just goes to show you that you don't need a lot to win an impossible fight or what would seemingly be an impossible fight in the eyes of people here on earth. And so we thank you for these stories to remind us that one, we should never put limits on you and two, that you don't need that many to win a large fight. And so we just need to keep relying and leaning on you, Father. And as long as we have your son, Jesus Christ, in our heart, and we have you and believe in you as being our reliable source of protection, we know we will be just fine. We may get scraped up and bruised and cut, Hell, even maybe to a degree, might even come close to death. But you know what? You have the ultimate plan, and so we will follow it. Just be our guiding light, and we'll, 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 we'll follow. So with all that, we pray all this in your Holy Son's name, Jesus Christ. Amen. And so that is all I have for you today. I'm going to be back here in about five minutes, God willing, and hopefully technology works properly. We're going to get into the His Hardline discussion which falls on uh, Tuesdays and Fridays. Fridays, obviously, I talk uh, with Donna Brandenburg. And so we go into a lot of truth bombs when she's on. I tell you, she's always fun to have a conversation with. She's the one that's running for governor in Michigan. Right now, her name is not on the ballot. But people, just little prediction, she's going to be on the ballot, okay? I can't tell you how I know. I can't tell you when. But she's going to be on the ballot and mark my words, she will be elected governor of Michigan. And then that's when the real fun is going to happen. There's going to be a lot of stuff that's going to come to a head in November. Can't get into details, but it's going to be one hell of a rest of the year. That's all I can say. But we, no matter what, obviously we know we win. We know God wins, but we still need to pray and we still need to play an active role in this fight because God just doesn't win by himself. He needs his people. Like again, just like Gideon had 300, he still needs key individuals. So that's all I got. I will be back in about five, maybe seven minutes, depending on how cooperative Podbean wants to act. And uh, yeah, we'll be right back. So until then or the next time, we'll see you later. All right, ladies and gentlemen, that is it for the day. Thank you for joining us here at His Heartline. 
Remember, we need to spend at least 15 minutes each day with our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. That is literally 1% of our time on a daily basis. Spend a little time in the Bible, spend some time in prayer. And you'd be amazed what Jesus will do to you. Drop. our website www.hishardline.com for all the latest updates.